Welcome to the debut of the gorgeous lunch. The Tagine episode. You're listening to The Gorgeous Lunch, a podcast where we talk about the food people are talking about. I'm your host, Lyndon. And I'm your other host, Louise. Join us every episode as we discover the ultimate restaurant for experiencing each month's featured spice, sample the food, and pester the chef for tips to make your kitchen more thrilling. Before we get started with our first restaurant visit, we want to give a big shout out to our charter members who supported our launch on Indiegogo. Your comments and your cheering us on, we are so tremendously grateful. We also want to acknowledge the work of The Stop, one of Canada's first food banks. It's evolved into a wonderful community hub, focusing on healthy, food-related programs that are really designed to foster social connection. Well, that's a cause close to our hearts. They run great events and programs throughout the year, so if you are in the Toronto area, be sure to check their calendar at thestop.org. And if you're not in the Toronto area, but you love the cause, you can always donate through their website. Again, that's thestop.org. So uh, depending on when you listen to this episode, you might have already received your first package in the mail. Package, you might say. Huh, what is that? The Gorgeous Spice Club. We hope you'll check out our website at the Gorgeous Spice Company. That's thegorgeousspicecode.com. And uh, sign up for a membership. We'd love to have you. This month, the Gorgeous Spice Club members received Moroccan coriander and Dial R for Raz, a blend inspired by Raz Al Hanou. That's led us on a hunt for the perfect tagine. And we think we've found it in Toronto's groovy Ossington Avenue. The restaurant is Bar Saban, and our first guest is the fabulous Howard Dabrowski. We'll post some photos on our website as well as links to Bar Saban, should you want to make a reservation. Really cool, relaxed, funky space. I like the effect of, the, uh, of Howard's two grandmother's portraits watching over all the shenanigans that go on every night. <laughs> Definitely Bar Saban has a really, really special, special vibe and is a great addition to Toronto's restaurant scene. Hey, Howard. Well, hello. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Fantastic. I gather you're doing some inventory. Today Today is inventory day. It's the bane of my existence, but it must be done, so I shall prevail. Well, thank you so much for taking some time with us. Um... Uh, super excited to talk to you. Yeah, and, I'm excited uh, as well. We're thrilled to be back here because the last time it was so delicious we couldn't wait to get back. Oh, here thank you so much. Really appreciate that. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Bar Saban. So I suppose the first thing and probably the most meaningful to me is the name. So Saban is actually the combination of my two grandmother's names, Sybil and Anne. They, in their own ways, and they had their own 
very specialty cuisines, and neither one infringed on the others. But, but <laughs> in so doing, they both got me very into cooking and, uh, and ultimately piqued my interest when I was quite young. So I guess around the age of 10 or so was when I started to have the ideas that this might be something to to do in a long-term kind of capacity. That's amazing. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about Anne and, and Sybil? So the funny thing is their, their portraits, and if you ever come by the restaurant, you can very, very clearly see a lot of their personalities in, in the pictures themselves. My grandmother, Sybil, has very much a, a like an old-time uh, headshot kind of photo because she was a singer. So that's what type of singer? Uh, lounge mostly, yeah. uh, lo- <laughs> a lot of lot of jazz. So yeah. she How was cool. Yeah, very cool. Super talented. Like what a voice. And a good cook too. And a great cook. And where did she live? And they were uh, both in Montreal, okay. which is where my family's from. Yeah. I've been in Toronto for about eleven years now, and very happily situated here. <laughs> Excellent. My grandmother Anne, on the other hand, if you were to see her portrait has a very almost renaissance quality to the shot, and she was an artist. Um, uh, so too is my mother, incidentally. And, and, and they are very much big parts of my personality and, and how I see myself. It's uh, a, lot of, a lot of art and then a lot of showmanship at the same time, and that's part of the job of having a restaurant. Will you sing for us? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I think that would that would involve maybe a, a good portion of a bottle of bourbon, and then and, and then we can revisit that question. A little bit. I see okay. you have cardamom infused bourbon, uh, though, we do. so that's quite spicy. I want to hear though about your grandmother's what the difference to cooking and what they yeah. what they made that was different. Right. So while. Uh, the, the, their backgrounds were, were Russian and Polish respect. My grandmother on my father's side had been born in Sherbrooke, so her cooking was more influenced by North America, whereas on my mother's side, she came right from Poland. As such, the, the, the food was much more indicative of that kind of cuisine. There was like lots of stews and soups and whatnot, whereas my uh, grandmother, Sybil, uh, opened up to a lot of, you know, a lot of sort of like classic North American food and like the, you know, the big roast turkeys yeah. on the holidays and different kinds of stuffing and such. I think that was probably the big, the big um, difference between the two. So tell us though how you got from there to, I mean, a lot of your, um, your menu is influenced by Middle Eastern. Yeah, it's, I would say at this so- point, mostly Mediterranean with notes of Middle Eastern and some notes of Moroccan as well. Yeah. Uh, the reason I came to this cuisine it's largely because it's it's uh, a preferred cuisine of my parents. Oh. So in a sense... Good this, taste. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's very, and lots of good flavor profiles, lots of fun things, keeps it interesting, and, and they just happen to love it. So at this point, when I go visit them, these are a lot of the kinds of things that, that I associate with going home, these kind of flavors. So it seemed natural to do it for this restaurant. Can we come with you the next time you go home? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I love the panorama that you're describing. Uh, honestly, uh, my my parents absolutely love having guests over, and so so fantastic. That's a yes, Linda. That's a yes. That's a hard, hard yes. <laughs> oh dear. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your approach to spicing? So. 
yeah. Spice is life. Agreed. Spice is life. 100%. Spice is life. High fives all around. Uh, See, the funny thing is, I am what is referred to as a non-taster. When you categorize how people taste food based on the density of taste cells on the tongue, a non-taster has less cells and therefore craves things of bigger, bolder flavor. They like the bitters. They like the blue cheeses. They like the spicy foods. They like intense flavor because it's essentially the tongue is slightly less sensitive. For me, I've always kind of pushed bigger, bigger, bigger flavors, more spice, layers of spice, different spices. Um, and, and the funny thing is the super tasters tend to like the most bland foods because it's so cute what they taste. They just like to tone everything down. I'm definitely a non-taster. Yeah. yeah. That's so it's so It's so weird. It's, it's, I'm not even going to talk to any non-tasters again. Yeah. <laughs> just, or any those, super tasters. Those poor souls. Those yeah. Poor souls. For me... Uh, when it comes to seasoning and comes to the use of spices, I always go with a layered approach. I don't tend to spice exclusively at the beginning or at the end, hmm. but it's a series of kind of micro spicings along the way. Different products, for example, we recently had a tagine on the menu. That essentially goes through a three-tiered spicing process. Once uh, the protein has been sort of seared off, then we add a harissa paste, then we add our tagine spice blend. We cook that down. Then we add our liquids. Midway through the cooking process, we re-spice again. And then when the order comes in, finally... With the tagine with spice, the tagine spice yep. blend. Exactly. And then when the order comes in, we'll do it one last time just to get a different sense of the flavors. Because as you cook spices out, they, they change, they yes. marry, they yep. blend with the different flavors of the product you've been cooking them with. So I like to do it at different stages so you get a different sense of the spices, uh, you know, leading up to the last where you get more of the true sense of the spice because it's only just sort of lightly warmed through. So that's how I spice things. Interesting. That's very interesting. I've never heard that approach. So that, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. The spice highway. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. We tasted your tagine. It was fantastic. Thank you so much. And you could just... It was so complex yeah. and, and and warm, and yet it sort of popped with flavor, yeah. too, right well, at the end. I, I think you really will get a much more uh, sort of diverse, complex uh, interpretation of the spice if you use it at various stages in the cooking process. You really just you add you know, two, two more dimensions. The more, the more times you spice, the more possible dimensions to that spice you add to the dish because yeah. it's cooked for different has a chance to sort of either mellow out and become background or be very sharp if you're adding it at the end. So tagine spice mixes are all over the map. All over the map. <laughs> like I mean, most, most yes. spice blends. But tell us about your tagine spice blend. Well, it's, <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> there is a lot in there. There yeah. is, oof. What are some of the, the defining so ones So we use, we use a lot of the sweet spices. The, the cumins and corianders, the cinnamons, the nutmegs and all that. Um, we use um, a little turmeric as well. Yeah. Actually, a fair bit of turmeric. <laughs> let's, let's just be honest. And then, yeah. the, and then you have the gingers and stuff. So um, yeah. our ta- tagine very much sits on the sweet, yeah. kind of yeah. sweet spice uh, profile. Yeah, we've been amazed in testing different tagine spice mixes. The enormous oh, the variety. Right. Yeah. Right. But that's the beauty of spice. That's what makes it fun. 
there's no there's no right there's no wrong no we just we couldn't agree with you more you there are totally <laughs> we like to say spices in the mouth of the beholder of course that's, that's very clever that's very clever yeah, I can see that as being like a very good tattoo, you know, yeah. just, like, just like down the arm or something. And it's a very chef tattoo. That one. Yeah. yeah, you've got all kinds of spices here. Um, I I see the tagine is not on the menu anymore, but um, I'm sure it ro- it rotates around. Yeah, so it was on the last uh, incarnation of the menu. Will most likely come back, let's say, towards the end of winter, perhaps. Yeah. That's Excellent. a good time to put it on, and then we'll see. I see you've got zitar and harissa and uh, yeah, we use a lot of saffron. Raza anut, baharat spice. Um, we use a lot of sumac here. And I uh, love sumac. I love sumac. Yeah. yeah. But the sumac I get here is so wildly fresh. It's still, it's almost got moisture to it still. It's not like a fully dried yeah. spice. It's ah got such a, a nice that almost um, slightly like citrus quality to it it really yep. pops huh. and and I was able to find that here and I've never in North America otherwise been able to find it that fresh <laughs> oh it's fantastic stuff and you use spices also in cocktails I see oh and <laughs> spices and everything uh, definitely <laughs> definitely in cocktails I think it's spice is a very easy way for people to put their own spin on either a classic cocktail or just a sipping drink yeah. and something that you could do at home 100% uh, a taste for let's say bourbon or rye or whiskey throw some spices throw cinnamon some nutmeg some clove cardamom let it sit for a week and you've created a totally different product that's now got your signature on it you can really you know you, you want to bring a, a nice gift to someone you want to shine at a party you want to entertain and have a real wow factor Craft your own cocktail by adding some spices to the, the main liquors. Do you do any cocktails with Raz El Hanu in it? Not at the moment. Okay. But it's funny you say that because... <laughs> Coming <laughs> soon. Okay, yeah. this is an inside scoop. Right, yes. this is the one. Jeez, just reading my mind here. Yeah, it's up to now I've been using sort of individual spices yes. in cocktails, like either like one spice per cocktail or like a, a wood, like a cedar-infused bourbon or something, yeah. something, yeah. something. cardamom-infused bourbon. But I've been very much looking to explore mixed spice blends in cocktails. And I just don't know if I've ever seen that anywhere. We've been trying. We, you know, we, we actually should have taken a picture of that one and should have taken a picture of our faces after. It was pretty bad. Oh, no. <laughs> so, shall we try <laughs> one that had... Triple sec and tequila okay. and Raz El Hanu. And it didn't work. Mm. It, it totally didn't work. But I don't think that that, I mean, I think it shouldn't be with triple sec, Raz El Hanu. I think it should be with something warmer, more bourbon y, scotchy. Mm. Yeah, I think I, that's right. I absolutely agree. Those yeah. warm spices work so yeah. wonderfully well with any of those dark liquors. Brown liquor, yeah. Uh, even dark lightly spiced rum. That would be good. That, that could go with really a Razzle Henry very well. Should we break open the bar, the bar right now? <laughs> I was just waiting for you to say it. I mean, I don't, I don't want to come off as a lush or anything, but, but now that it's on the table, I am, I am ready for it. It helps with inventory. I oh, it did. It did. Truly, truly does. So I'm just looking at the menu, and, and I've got to say, when we were here... 
we had a few things that were, well, actually everything was fantastic, but your dips mm. were mind-blowing. Well, and, thank and you. The, even the pickles that you served with it were mm. so unbelievably good. And the saffron rice. That was a perfect dish. Oh, thank you. We, we don't generally run into perfect oh, dishes. And no. it was perfect. Thank you. Very nice to hear. Oh, my God. Well, just, it's true. Just gushing a little bit. Oh, my. Uh, what's, your, um, what's your favorite spice to work with? I would definitely say, first and foremost, salt. Ooh. Salt is yep. the hundred percent. If it's an awful, awful version of the world, I could not access spice. But I had salt. At least there's that. I can live with it. <laughs> Be as interesting, but yeah. I can live with salt. Yeah. Without salt, you're in trouble. Okay, fair. So, can you tell us a little bit about this current menu as it relates to spices? The majority of the dishes do employ a fair bit of spice. Which is not to say spicy, but right. spice. Flavorful. And that's just something it's a very different you have to thing. sometimes explain to people that it's very spice forward, but not. Spicy. Yeah. It's not not gonna hurt your mouth. Um, there are there are a few dishes where I let the product shine and I don't add too too much spice to it. For example, like the halloumi, yeah, which is a seared cheese. I like that cheese to stand on its own. So I serve it with a marmalade that's seasoned with uh, vanilla. But beyond that, like the cheese itself has enough salt in the product. Mm -hmm. I really don't add much to that. But that's very much a rarity on this menu. We do like to put spice in sort of, again, various stages along most of the products. Uh, I'm intrigued. What, would you, what spice would you add to the carrot risotto? Uh, we use sumac on the carrot okay. risotto. Yeah. And I like the sumac because in this dish, so the way we prepare it, we cook the rice uh, sort of very traditional to the risotto style. So small amounts of liquid, let it absorb, and then add more. We use a vegetable stock. Uh, but we start with, instead of, let's say, traditionally how a white wine might be used, mm -hmm. we use straight carrot juice. Ooh. So it's very intensely carrot flavored, beautiful mm -hmm. orange color. And we finish with uh, an extra aged cheddar. But that's all very rich. You know, it's, yeah. it's a rich dish. There's the, the cheese and the fats and the creaminess of the rice. So sumac is a perfect foil for that because it's so bright and has that almost acidity kind of pop to it, I think it really helps balance that dish. Beautiful. I love wow. the, the idea, the concept of spices as a foil. That's, That's a yes. great uh -huh. way sometimes, of Sometimes, contrary to what I was saying before, sometimes, you know what, just a little at the end to give the true sense or to play off the flavors that you develop through the cooking process, that could also be a good strategy. I so. love it. Mm. Any plans for well, tell our audience? Yeah. Uh, we just uh, we just put on a new slider dish. Okay, so it's a combination of both uh, lamb and beef, a little bulgur wheat. We use a fair bit of cumin in it, and it gives it such a wild, cool flavor profile. <laughs> and then we do a roast apple grainy mustard on top. Mm. So oh. it's a little sweet and some pickled onions. So again, and this is this is one of those things where you have a bunch of levels of spice in it, and it is really good. And uh, I believe in the near future, we'll be putting it on our late night menu as we are now opening up on the weekends 
for late night. So. Wow, that's so, cool. That's yeah, this like, is a great space it's for a late night. Perfect it's so space. groovy. Yeah. And, yeah. and Ossington's just, it's, it's, it's booming. A, it's, it's lively. It's a great place to go out. And now we'll have the kitchen open quite late, past uh, 1 a.m. So people could come get some, some food late night. We'll have a oh. cute little late night menu. So we're, we're That's quite excellent. Quite my excited mouth is about that. watering. Oh my goodness, those pickles <laughs> and the apple mustard. Oh, yeah, that one's wow. a winner. Well, every chef we're talking to, we're going to do a kind of a speed five questions. Mm. Okay. So, Sounds first fun. of all, the what's your desert island spice? Other than salt. Other than oh, salt. Okay. Right. No salt. There's lots of salt on this There's desert island. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's in Russia, but... <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, hmm, if I had to pick just off the top of my head, one, yes. one of my favorites is very, very rarely seen, but I just love it to death, long pepper. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Love, You have a long love. pepper friend over there love <laughs> long pepper mm-hmm. it's got it's got some of the qualities of your sort of telly cherry traditional black pepper yep. but then it has this interesting kind of citrus note and like the flavor developed and it's really really cool and and that's that's sort of one of my favorites superman or batman well that's that's just not fair <laughs> that that's that's just rude can't no I, you have to pick you can't you, can, you can, uh, I mean, like on the one hand, Superman's kind of just like every 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 power that kid wanted. Uh, you know, growing up, uh, you can fly, you can see through things. But if I had to pick one, I'm gonna go with Batman. And the reason I like Batman is because, in a sense, he's sort of self-made. You know, not not born with a superpower, but through intelligence and intuition and family wealth. Family wealth it really doesn't yeah, doesn't yeah. doesn't hurt. Yes, really exactly. doesn't hurt. You know, I have a couple of billion in the bank. You know, no big deal. But yeah, it, it's the the idea. I like that idea. I like yeah. the idea of of even if you're not necessarily born with something amazing, you could make yourself there through determination. Well, I like that. Look at your place here. Yeah. <laughs> You've made it. You created yeah. it in the image you wanted. And yeah. Excellent answer. Excellent answer. Okay, so what's your favorite comfort food? Wouldn't be a specific thing, but I would say a category, and that is pickles, or any kind of pickled item. And that would go anywhere from your classic dill pickle to kimchi, which I eat a lot of. A lot. And it's good for you. Oh, it's amazing for you. Yeah. Yeah, I crave pickles or pickled items all the time. Just the words pickle makes, makes your mouth I pucker. I'm pucker. completely like pucker. <laughs> like I am going to run out after this and get a jar of pickles and most likely finish it. <laughs> when I was younger, uh, we would get jars of pickles for the house. And at some point, the jar would be finished with, and I wouldn't let my folks throw out the brine because I would literally drink it. Wow. Just drink it, pour myself about half a glass and sip away at the brine. That's how much I like them. I totally wow. can relate. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not yeah, to drool I on know. the table, <laughs> but that's how much, that's how much I love it. You and me 
both. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I'm there I too. You. Your pickles were fantastic Thank on the you menu. So much. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay, so if you were to be entertaining, what's your go-to entertaining dish? Given that I'm in the restaurant all the time and I never entertain anymore. But if you did. But if I did in some hypothetical world, uh, I always one for like a good cheese board. I love a good cheese board because I'm one a, just a fiend for cheese. I love cheese. I love the sort of ability to sort of really have, have a, like a lot of flexibility in what you can add to these boards. And both in terms of, of the starch, like so you can have your rye breads and your seasoned crackers. and That's a great place to introduce some spice to it there. I love making jams. I love making mm. jams. I would, like Since I was very young, I love making jams. The ability to, to just do a whole selection of different compotes and jams and chutneys and just build up some crazy, crazy fun flavors there, that's, that's one of my go-tos. I'm hearing a real fermentation theme happening oh, here between cheese and pickles oh, and God. kimchi. <laughs> Throw a little beer in the mix and we're set. Oh, so <laughs> good. So good. All right, last, uh, last of the five mm. questions. What's your most memorable meal? Huh, interesting. I would say that I, I have two. One's positive, one's negative. Great. Oh, we want to hear them perfect. both. Yeah. Uh, the positive one is personal. So this was, for me, and I think what solidified this career in my mind. Uh, when I was younger, there were just a few cooking shows on TV. This is pre-Food Network. One of them was Walk With Yen. Oh, I and remember that. And I would watch that on you know, cable television with my six channels, religiously. Whenever it was on, I watched it. So one day, I would say I was about 10 years old, uh, he cooked a snapper dish and corn. And, and that was the day that I said, you know what? I'm going to do this for the family. So my mom and in her infinite wisdom said, okay, took me shopping. We bought the ingredients as they listed them at the end of the shows back then. And, and then I was able to cook that meal for the family. And at that point, it was, was kind of that light switch. You know, like th this is the kind of enjoyment you can immediately give and respond to when you cook for people. And I think that's, that's kind of what set me on this path. That gives me shivers. I love that I hope story. someone took a picture of you and your creation. Oh, yeah. God. I don't know. I'm, sure, I'm sure there's some little polaroid kind of thing somewhere. It should go on the wall in a box. between your two grandmothers. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So that was, that was the positive one. Here's a negative one. And this was also something very much sort of taught me the importance of respecting the product and not just going for the showmanship. There was a restaurant, let's call it eight years ago in Toronto. I'm not going to say names. Okay. It was very, very famous at the time, heralded as one of the top, if not the top, doing wildly elaborate tasting menus. And each dish came with five separate little dishes and everything was a bite or two. And I had gone through this entire meal of, oh, let's call it maybe up to 20 different small, you know, two-bite items. And at the end, I was just, I came to the conclusion they missed the mark on every single one, under-seasoned or over-seasoned, every single item. 
the design was revolutionary and it was some of the most uh, aesthetically interesting stuff to see. It was really, you know, really pushing the boundaries. But in that case, it became clear that all the showmanship in the world is not as important as respecting the ingredients and just making sure that it tastes good. It has to taste good. That's your first priority. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally, totally agree. Plating is a nice added it's, thing. It's a nice add, and it, and there is a very much something to be said for you eat with your eyes first. So yeah. it should be pleasing to look at. However, if that takes such vast priority that your attention is now taken away from the products, um, the foods, the vegetables, the proteins, the spices, if you don't focus on that, then it's I just can't see how the dish can succeed. Great cautionary tale. Yes. Really Remember the table stakes, so to speak. Mm. <laughs> 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 it just popped in my head. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to, oh, to this has been uh, an meet with absolute us. pleasure. <laughs> We're thrilled. We just really thrilled. appreciate it. And, and other than the fact that we are desperately hungry now. As yeah, we start on this interview, everything else is great. <laughs> well, you know, we're open anytime for you guys to come in. Aww, are you, you open? You're not open seven days a week. What? We are we are closed on Mondays. Right. We do dinner on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and a brunch on Sunday as well. Lovely. Yeah, so the brunch has got some fun things. Like the chicken tagine still exists oh. on the brunch menu. I didn't even think about it. Yeah, we do a oh. we do a benny with the chicken tagine and a baharat okay, uh, hollandaise. Okay, that's wild. Yeah. Come hungry. Yeah, come hungry. Yeah, we, we will feed you well. I just think the playfulness of this menu and of how you're using spices is amazing. I love it. Well, thank I you. absolutely love it. One of the things we try to instill in our business is for people to be creative with spices and to be playful. And too many people think of spices as precious little things mm. that you add a uh-huh. quarter teaspoon. And you are the living embodiment oh, no. of joy and spice yeah, liberally. Go big, go big. Yeah. Go yeah. big. <laughs> I mean, you know, there was one point in our history where spices were the thing, like they were more expensive than precious metals. But now you can afford it. Right. (laughs) Go, go, do spice. You'll enjoy it. Have fun. Have fun. Yeah. Have fun. That's the most important thing. Have fun and make things that you like to eat. And if you like to eat it, chances are other people like to eat it too. Well, that's some words of wisdom. Exactly. That's the best <laughs> advice ever. Our right, thank you. You're amazing. It is Your my pleasure. Your restaurant's amazing. Thank you so much. Have a good oh. So let's have a look at the menu. Uh, what, what are we going to have? Well, uh, we're going to start with the three dips. Oh, definitely the three dips. Which three dips? I want the labneh for sure. I want the hummus with sumac and za'atar. And uh, the eggplant dip. I think that was our third because we get three. Right. Okay, so we're going to have those. And uh, I think we have to have the carrot risotto. After hearing Howard talk about it, that's, uh, that's definitely on the, uh, on the agenda. And so, do you want to have the um, braised and grilled octopus and the saffron rice? Both have saffron. And uh, um, the steak tartare with... Uh, Feta, harissa, egg yolk, 
lemon, olive oil, and pita chips done with as a tarp. That must be amazing. Do you like steak tartare? I do. I could eat it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Definitely. And the patata bravas with kalamata olives, creme fraiche, and roasted red pepper. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, once again, we have our oh. usual problem. We, we want to order too many things. Okay. But it gives, yeah. it, it, you know, it, it's just a really comfortable menu. And I, I personally hate menus that go on for pages and pages. And this just gives you a nice uh, range, but it's manageable. And they're all delicious. <laughs> Lots of flavor, definitely lots of spicing and lots of interesting dishes here. So this should be fun. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Let's tuck in. You can find out more about this gorgeous lunch and about our own Dial R for Raz blend by going to our website, thegorgeous.co. That's also where you'll find out more about the Gorgeous Spice Club. And we really hope you'll sign up. In the meantime, send us your comments and suggestions at info at thegorgeous.co and follow us on Instagram. This has been a gorgeous production. Until next time, wishing, wishing you a, a gorgeous day. day.